right. I have a confession to make. You know, the Bible says it's good to confess your sins to one another so that you may find healing, right? Well, actually, this isn't a sin. It's just a confession. It's not sin. So never mind about the scripture reference. But I find that I have a crush on a female preacher. Yeah. And the Lord told me it's okay since it's my wife. But I do appreciate Lisa. She's the mom to all my chillins. Um, all six of them. She is my very best friend, my favorite cook. And I mean, yeah, there's no, there's no competition with that. Now, don't tell my mom I said that. I will deny it if you tell her. But, you know, I was just thinking about this the other day and this morning, how, how fun it is, how exciting it is, how amazing it is to live with the lady that, that really loves Jesus. She's not one of those, just those, Christ, those Sunday Christian people that put on the face and all that kind of stuff for Sunday, but she lives it. I get to live with her every day. I remember one uh, last spring or last summer when I was, last fall, when I was cutting the grass, I was on my riding mower cutting the grass, and next thing I know, I'm, I'm riding along, I have my headphones on, listening to podcasts or whatever, and then I see someone waving me down. It's like, oh, really, right now? Got to do this right now? So I pull over, turn the mower off, and then she says, I got to tell you what the Lord is showing me. And she begins to share this stuff and, and this revelation and just things that the Lord has just been putting in her heart. And it's like, dang, how come he didn't give me stuff like that? <laughs> you know, I just, it's, it's amazing how things that I've, scriptures we've all read before a lot of times, things I've even preached before, and then she'll share things from her heart that she feels like the Lord has shared with her. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. New stuff, fresh stuff. Incredible stuff. And it's so exciting to see what God has been doing and building in her all these years and just developing her into a powerful woman. And she has definitely become one of my favorite preachers. You say, well, why wouldn't she be your favorite? I like me too, you know. Just kidding. Just kidding. But anyway, so I would just like for us to welcome my wife and friend, Lisa Ellis. It's green. There we go. We're on. Huh? Not yet. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. And you're going to have to fix it a little bit because is it? It feels, huh? Okay. Sorry. I lost something? Oh, okay. That's right. You're getting the real deal right now. Right. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Did any of you guys like, I never can get right and left. I have to do this, you know, like left, right, you know. Okay. Sorry. Sorry if you can do it all. I can't. Okay. It's okay though. <laughs> all right. Let me get situated. How are we doing this morning? Yay. Good. Okay. I'm going to sit down. It's going to look awkward. So sorry. Cause my legs are not as tall as someone else's. I gotta get situated. Okay. We're good now. All right. Um, I just want to pray real quick over you guys. All right. Um, Father, I just thank you for your words that are going out today, Lord God, that are going to penetrate hearts, 
that have already penetrated my heart, and I just release them right now by your Holy Spirit, that they're going to penetrate hearts this morning, that you're going to change mindsets, that those old chains that are holding us back are going to be broken in Jesus' name, and that we're going to have ears to hear exactly what your Holy Spirit is telling us. I just thank you, Father. Just thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm sitting today because when I sit, sometimes I feel like, you know, we're having coffee or something, you know, like sitting, if I could put my feet up, you know, go back and we can just kind of have coffee. So, um, so in a comfortable state, um, as we're family, can I scoot back? Cause I feel like to look at anywhere, I have to do this and it's like really awkward here. Just wheel me. Let's just have fun. Woo! <laughs> Seatbelt. A little more, a little more. Let's go over here. No, just kidding. Just kidding. It was fun. I'm sorry. This is good. Okay, so now I feel like I don't have to be like, you know, it's kind of awkward. Um, well, the Lord has put something on my heart these last few months, and he's kind of taken me on a journey, and he's kind of shown me some things. And I want to start out by, it's not on the overhead, because I just want to read it real quickly. But I was reading in Corinthians, second, the book of Second Corinthians, and I get to this one part, and it's Paul, and he's talking to the, the church of Corinthians, and he's telling them, he's talking to them about money, and he's talking to them about finances, and he's like, oh, I really hope, you know, so well that you're doing well, and you're, I'm not going to come and find you in sin, and I hope that you've grown. He's telling them and telling them a whole bunch of stuff, and... Um, it's, it's really good. Read, read the whole chapter. I'm not going to read the chapter this morning. And he gets this one part, and he says, it's in 12, verse 14, and he says, I'm ready to visit you for a third time, and I won't bother you for help. I don't want your possessions. Instead, I want you. And that really spoke to me. I'm like, what? Does this translate? So I looked it up in different translations, and everything says, I want you. And it really spoke to my heart because I felt like right there he tapped into something that came straight from the Father's heart. That he's saying, I don't want all this stuff. I'm not coming for your money. I'm not coming from A or for B or for C. I'm coming because I just want you. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is leading this body. It's time to go deeper. Intimacy with him. I don't care how long you've known him, whether it be a day, a week, a month, a year, or 50 years. If we think that we can stop knowing God, that we've been there, done there, got the t-shirt, we're missing God. And it's time to release our hearts and knowing him more. The other thing that he spoke to me is he said, You're not going to give someone your heart who you don't trust. And you're not going to trust someone if you don't know them. I had this friend um, I was visiting with. And she's engaged and we're talking about. And she, was, she had just some relationship issues in the past. And we were talking about her walk with the Lord. And she said, uh, I just don't know if I've grown. I just don't know if I've grown. And I said, let me ask you a question. 
What if the first date your fiance came up and said, I love you. Will you marry me? What would you have said? And I'll give you the abbreviated version. No. Absolutely not. I never would have committed to that. Well, why is that? Because I didn't know him. Brother and sisters, we have been learning so much this last year. Learned about prayer, you know, the healing conference. We've learned about knowing him more and loving this person and loving, loving that person. But I'm going to tell you something. If we don't know him, we're never going to be able to walk with him in the journey he has us, what he has us on. We're never going to take a risk with someone we don't trust. Never. It's not going to happen. I'm going to read real quick. I don't have this one down either, but you, most of you are familiar with. But it's in Ephesians 5, and he talks about husband and wife relationships. And a lot of times in the word, it, when it re- relates a husband-wife relationship to how, Jesus, how Christ is with the church. And a couple of verses, I just thought it was so funny. I'm in Ephesians 5, and he's talking about, um, first of all, in, in, uh, he talks about how wives place yourself under your husband's authority, et cetera, et cetera. We know this. The husband is the head of his wife, et cetera, et cetera. And then it says, the husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. It is his body, and he is its savior, as the church is under Christ's authority. So we can see it's, it's comparing husbands and wives, Christ and the church. And again in 32, it goes on, husbands, love your wives, wives, respect your husbands. goes through all this, all this stuff. No one ever hated his own body and said he feeds it and he takes care of it. And then it says, as Christ takes care of the church, we are parts of his body, That's why a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one. This is a great mystery. And this is, I'm talking about Christ's relationship to the church. So you're getting real, when I do it, I get real into it, like, oh, yeah, this is what my husband needs to do. Oh, this is what I need to do. You get into this, and he's like, whoa, 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 wait. I'm talking about the relationship of Christ to the church. Who's the church? You, me. We're the church. So he gives us this glorious example of relationship. In John 17, 3, it says, I know I have that one. It says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. This is eternal life. We think this relationship thing kind of starts like as a get-out-of-hell-free card. Can I say that? Is that okay to say it, Pastor CJ? Can I say that in church? (laughs) We think, I'm a Christian because I don't want to go to hell. I'm a Christian because I want to be a good person. Sometimes I want to be a Christian because it's just really good people there, or maybe there's a safety there. And we think we have this whole thing of Christianity, and we don't know what it means. 
I mean, how many of you guys know, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to stand up. How many of you guys know people who are like, I'm a Christian, and they can cuss you out from Monday through Saturday? I mean, really. You're like, wow. <laughs> you know some, yeah. We've all been there. I love Jesus. And you're like, wow, that's Jesus. Okay. Okay, I get that. And he says, this is eternal life. You want life? This is it. That they know you, the only true God. And I want to do a little bit of thing. This word know comes from this word. I can't do this with all the words, but I'm going to do this one. It's called gnosko. That's the Greek word, gnosko. Gnosko, to know, to gnosko someone. I love it. It sounds really cool. Gnosko means to become known. It actually means it's a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. Gnosko. Now, don't be asking your spouses anything right now, okay? Let's keep this cheap. Gnosko, to know, to become acquainted with. We think sometimes another version of know is this intellect, another word. I'm not going to say all the words. There's like about seven words used in the New Testament of knowing. So, but I'm just going to kind of give you an overview, all right? <clears throat> There's a mental word that's like an intellectual, knowing him intellectually. And I think we've all lived there. It's easy to go there. It's so much easy to, easier to know something intellectually than it is to know somebody deeply. To know. Also, very interesting, on Matthew 7, 22 and 23, that word know is the same word that's used in this verse. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. It's the same word. It's gnosko. So obviously there's a beginning part to know God, the beginning. You've come to know him. You've entered into this gnosko, right? And then there's a part he's like, I never gnosko. I never knew you. Go away. And here's the interesting thing, too. Can someone get me some water? Jesus would really love you. Thank you, Heather. Okay. <clears throat> Interesting part. You see this picture of people getting married. You know, pure bride, pure groom coming down. They're giving their hearts to each other. And they say, I do. And there's a, there's a little kiss. What happens after we eat the wedding cake? Gnosko. <laughs> but how many of you know that if that was the only thing in your marriage, your marriage is going to be dead? Like there is so much more to marriage than that act. <laughs> My husband. I love him. Thank you.
There's also a deeper knowing. It goes even deeper. And some more scriptures. I want to read this real quick. In Ephesians 3, 19. And to know the love of God, the love of Christ, that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ. That's gnosko. And there's so much, there's, there's even more, more things. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to say them all. There's one. It talks about to get knowledge of, to understand, to perceive. To regard for one, cherish, to pay attention to. How many know in a marriage it's so important that we pay attention to one another? Like, it's not good enough just for us to be married, but for us to have this relationship, I need to know what's going on with my husband. I need to know so much more about him than just Gnosko, right? There is so much more to me. There is so much more to you. And he's calling us into this deeper relationship. And so many times we want to put him in this box and say, well, this is what it means to know God. Read your Bible, pray, worship, speak in tongues. Okay, you knew him. I think like if my husband, if I were to call my husband and say, please, when you have a second, can you give me a telephone call? And he's like, nope, hon, I talked to you already today. I'm done. If we treated our husband-wife relationship the same way we treat our relationship with God. CJ, I'm so busy right now. I cannot, I can't, I don't have time to talk to you at all. No, sorry. Like there's only like a 15-minute window. Go! <laughs> like I stay connected to him and he stays connected all day long. We have connection. Hey, what you doing? What are you thinking about? What's going on? What are you going to do today? Not because we're nosy. I I just want to be connected. Do you like this? Do you not like this? How can I say this, CJ, and be respectful? Because I'm feeling this way right now. And if I tell you, you're going to, I just want to know how to say this. There's so much more to knowing. Another one of my favorite um, things is called uh, epigenosis, epigenosis. Knowing God's mystery, which is Christ, a true knowledge of knowing God. Real knowledge that your love may abound, increasing in the knowledge of God. A real knowing. I was thinking about this. Um, my son um, worked at a restaurant. He had a, one of my sons. He had this um, boss he had such a hard time with. Oh, my goodness. And he just seemed to be picked and picked on and picked on by this boss. Nonstop. Like, just, it was getting so, and he, as a mom, I wanted to call and say, we're going to have a conversation because I'm not liking how you treat my son. But he was 18, so I can't do that. But a friend of me shared with me a little, knew this boss, and so she shared with me this little bit of information about him. Um, And when I heard about it, my mindset changed. I knew something. 
So I shared it with my son. I said, you know, I just learned this about your boss. Gave him some background information. And when I said that, he was like, oh. And it changed his whole mindset. And he knew something more. Now you can say, well, the intellect was like, hey, you're mistreating me. This isn't fair. That's, that's the intellect. Hey, the reaction, you know. But when he came into true knowledge, it moved his heart. See, when we come into more of a true knowledge about God, because he wants to un- unveil himself to you, it's going to move your heart. But guess what? If I never spend time with my husband, I'm never going to know him. The only way to know God is by spending time with him. We can't just get it because we know. You know, we could read this book, the Bible, the word of God from cover to cover and not know God. You'll have a lot of knowledge about him. But that does not bring you into a place of knowing God Deeply and intimately. He wants into your heart. He wants so much more of that. Another little translation we're just going to kind of say, I can't find it at the moment, but it means, oh, here it is. This uh, word, it implies a special participation with the known. So it's also participation with, to know God, to participate with God. See, my husband and I, part of us getting to know each other is we spend time together and we do adventures We'll go places like the date, right? Or we'll go to California or we'll go to Mexico, where, whatever. We, we do these ventures together. And through these adventures, there's sometimes there's a lot of stress, you know, because it's like, ah, I don't know what to do. We're going to miss our plane or we're going to get our plane or I think we should do this. And he's like, no, we should do that. You know, there's all this back and forth conflict. But it's through that conflict and it's through those back and forth that we get to know each other and we come to trust and respect each other. So when I tell my husband, you know, I really feel like when we get into a hotel tonight, we need to stay the night. We need, we, we need to, for, I'm sorry. When we get back from our big trip, we need to stay the night in a hotel when we get in. And he's like, oh, no. We'll drive back at 1 o'clock in the morning. We'll be fine. Like, no, I really don't want to. And he listens to me because he trusts me. Not that he trusts that I'm going to be right. He trusts me. So many times we want to trust God for things to turn out the way we want them to turn out. That's not relationship. God, I'll follow you, and I want to know you'll give my life as long as I can have control. Well, how many know when you're in a marriage and each one of you is trying to control the other one, 
it doesn't work. It just doesn't. You'll fail every time. It's that giving of control. It's that surrender. Romans 1.12. It says, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So it says, although they knew God, they come to know him. It says they didn't honor him as God. Guess what that word honor means? It means praise and worship. It means to glorify, magnify. It means to celebrate. They did not honor him as God. So we see there's still another element to this relationship. If CJ and I were in a marriage, we are in a marriage, not if, I'm sorry. We're good, I promise. Everything's wonderful. In a marriage, if you never tell your spouse anything, celebrate anything with them. Oh, you're just so great, honey. You're doing an awesome job. If you never hear those things, you are in an impaired marriage. And I would even say, if you can't receive those words, there's an impaired heart. See, we come here, we worship God. I love God. I had this awesome, this awesome thing in, in worship today. It was such a great time. And Kay is like, we just need to keep pressing in the song, keep pressing forward in the song. And I had this, this picture and usually, sometimes after church, we go to Mazio's and, you know, because, well, drinks are free on Sundays. Fountain drinks, okay. And I had this picture of me holding a cup and going up to the fountain and pushing in and getting the drink out. And I thought, we need to lift our cups we need to get the drink. And so easy, of course, let's just pretend I'm lazy sometimes. And I say, CJ, will you get me the drink? <laughs> let's just pretend that happens. But here's the thing with the Lord. No one else can get the drink for you. You have to get it yourself. No one else can have a relationship with God for you. You've got to raise your cup and get it yourself. You've got to do it. And when we're in worship, so many times you want to just go, okay, Lord, you, you can just fall on me. I, I'm here. I'm at the table. And if you really want to touch here, I'm here. We need to raise our cups. We need to raise our cups in order to be filled. There's a participation in the Holy Spirit that we get to partner with. And when we partner with him and worshiping him and just reminding him of how awesome and good he is, 
Even when everything inside of us screams no, there's that sacrifice. I remember several years ago, the Lord was, we just moved, been a while since we moved into our house out in the country, and I had six kids at that time. All six. Teenager, preteen, and two upcoming teens, and then two little babies. And I remember going through this time. I'm going to back up just a little bit before the last two, the four kids. I remember going through this time where it was so lonely. It seemed like every time I had a good friend come into my life that I could really relate with and talk to, Every time I had someone come in and they would leave. Like a year later, they'd be gone. I'm like, I have no one to talk to you. I mean, you, you moms with, with small kids know how important female contact is. Like connection. I've got these kids. I'm going to scream. I'm tired of talking. And it's, I, had, I had all boys, the first four, which meant they, they were like, what's the cosmical, cosmo, what's the cosmically, cosmo, the danger things? Say kamikaze. Is that it? You know, like, I'm going to jump off the couch. I'm going to throw, I'm going to roll my brother across the floor as an infant. I'm going to, I'm going to, what happens when I dump this gallon of milk on the floor? Like, you know, just those things. And you're just like, I just need people. And, and I just remember different people in and out. And finally, I got really connected with this beautiful sister. And I just felt like, man, she was such a, a person. She was just like, Lord, she is just my breath right now, my sanity. And then she, okay, Lisa, we're leaving, and blah, blah, blah. And I, every relationship that I had was just being taken out of me. And I was just like, Lord, why is this happening? Why do people keep leaving me? And here I am all alone again. And I was in, I was in the van, and, and my kids were getting pictures taken because they had soccer pictures. And it was one of those things I was crying, going, literally going, God, I'm just so lonely. No one else is here, and I don't know what to do. They keep leaving me. Everyone you bring in my life moves. You take them out. Why? Why? How many of you guys know you can be very serious with God, and you can ask him deep questions. He can handle you. And he answered me so clearly, and he said, because I want you to follow me and not them. He's like, Lisa, it's so easy to be hooked up with some people and to love them and be good. But then you start seeing out of their lenses. And I want you to see out of mine. And I want you to know me. Not saying that people are bad. We do need people. But you need connection with the Father. Forward this now to had all the six kids and two babies. I had every one of my kids on purpose. Loved every single one. They're just, they're just, God was God's blessing toward me. But I can't tell you that I had this easy, wonderful time. I just walked on water the whole time. It was hard. People are like, why did you have six kids? I'm like, because God knew I had to get to a place to need him. (laughs) Took me six kids to go, oh, wait, I actually need you now, Jesus. (laughs) Some of you go do that with one, and that's fine. It just took me six, okay? And he was leading me in this really deeper relationship with him. 
And at that time, everything was stripped away. I had, I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't pull away and have a quiet time. Everything that was, that was in my box to knowing God was ripped out and the box was shredded and gone. And no matter how hard I tried to get back in that box of what I knew, I couldn't. Some of you know as moms, like you just want to stay in bed for another hour because if you do get up, your kids have this sixth sense, like they know when you're up. If you get up at five, they're going to be awake. But if you sleep in till nine, they'll be still. So you stay. Just saying, that's true. And everything, everything that I knew, and it was such a lonely time. It was such a lonely time in my life. And I didn't know what to do. And there's, I was this disciplined. I was homeschooling, so they were home all day, which was great. That was, that was God's will at that moment. And I didn't know what to do, and I was so dang lonely. So lonely. Everything was gone. And I would cry out to God and say, God, I'm still here. Please don't give up on me. I'm still here, and I still belong to you. And I remember just crying out to him, saying, don't forget about me. And he, in those times, he brought me into a place of knowing him without the box. We need to get rid of our boxes. He wants to know you without the box. And I would never trade that time for anything. That that chunk of span there, one or two years, I would never trade it in because I got to connect with my father's heart. And he loved me. And he heard my cry, just like he's hearing many of your cries. God, don't give up on me. I'm still here. I don't know what this looks like without my box, but I'm still here. He's saying that to some of you. He's still there. He's still here. A heart that is ready to give because you'll do anything for the relationship versus a heart that has to. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. I want to talk about the heart that has to read this. This is a very common verse. And we talk about loving God and loving God. Well, which has kind of been our, is our theme this year. This is our vision for a church. It says, but when Jesus, Oh, sorry. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together like a huddle. Okay. Come on guys. Right. One of them, a lawyer, Asked him a a question, testing Jesus. All got together. Yeah, you go. You go test him. And the lawyer said, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Mind you, this is a trap. They approached him through the law. Jesus answered him according to the law. I'm going to suggest something to you. 
Jesus is not saying you have to, but rather, I want you to. It's an invitation. You're like, well, but Lisa, I know, I know the thoughts, but it says, like, you know, it's kind of hard. Let's let's go on this journey together. Romans 4.13. Use the New Living Translations for this. It says the exact same thing. I just like the word. It makes it picture perfect. Clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God. That comes by faith. 14. God's promise is only for, if God's promise, if God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. Now it's talking about the law, it's talking about the commandments, and it's talking about the Mosaic law. That's how that word is translated. When we see his commandment as I have to, it becomes law and we'll never be able to do it. When under the new covenant or through the cross, it's an invitation. Here's a great example of this in scripture. We're going to Matthew 19, 16 through 22 about the rich young ruler. I'm going to read this whole thing. Just because some of you may not know the whole parable of the rich young ruler. And behold, a man came up to him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? What good deed must I have, must I do? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who's good. He's like, can you picture Jesus good? Like, what do you mean? What do you know about good? There's only one, like, good deed, really? If you would, if you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There. And the young man said to him, well, all these I have kept, I've done this. Been there, done that, right? What do I still lack? He still knew something was missing. I jumped through the hoops already, Jesus. I did those. What else? And Jesus said, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor. And you'll have treasures in heaven and come, follow me. Go sell it all. And when the young man heard this, he went away, for he had lots of possessions. The rich young ruler came up to him, what must I do? Now we're going to look at Zacchaeus in Luke 19, 2 through 9. And behold, there is a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Okay, chief tax collectors were not popular back in the day. They, okay, still aren't. I wasn't going to go there, but... 
they got their money, they were dishonest, they stole, they bribed, and it was, it, they were not good people. Most likely, he did not get his wealth from inheritance or doing upright things. Okay, this is he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he couldn't because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed into a sycamore tree to see him. For Jesus was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I'm going to stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down and, and received him joyfully. And when everyone saw it, they were like, grumbled. They're like, he has gone? Jesus has gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner? You think you have people talking about you behind your back. You have nothing on Jesus. And Zacchaeus said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I'm going to restore it. I'm going to give it back four times. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house. Today. He was like, Yes. Now you look at the two and you think, well, the rich young ruler, why did he have to give it all? And Zacchaeus said, hey, I'm just going to give half. Can I suggest it was because of his heart? One wanted to jump through the hoops. He just, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? How can I get the prize? I want to do something good. And Zacchaeus is like, I'll, I'll give, I'll give half of my wicked money. I'll give it half and I'll repay four times to people who I was dishonest to. And Jesus looked at the guy who gave his heart and said, salvation has come to your house today. The law says that's not fair. That's not fair. Galatians three ten through 13. It says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Okay. 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified or made right before God by the law. Down to verse 12. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Christ redeemed. Redeemed means by payment of a price, to recover from the power of another. To recover from the power of of another. We used to be under the law, But through Christ, through the cross, we've been redeemed. And I don't think we understand how powerful that is yet because we don't know what it means. Second thing, redeemed. Christ freeing the elect from the dominion of the Mosaic law at the price of his vicarious death. Christ freeing the elect. Who is the elect? Yoo-hoo! Raise your hand. You're free. 
from the curse of the law. The law, again, the same thing. Anything established, a law command, the Mosaic law, a law or rule producing the state of being approved by God. Here's, here's my point in all this. We need to be free. We need to be free from the law in relationship. Those are married. Sometimes we marry those in our minds. But God, if I do this, this, and this, and this, that means I know you. And you know, really, law is really simple. I mean, like in my intellectual sense, like, okay, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. You know, have you ever been like, God, just tell me how to walk through this. Oh, yeah, it's in the book. Okay, yeah. Because it doesn't require heart. The law does not require heart. We can do law really well, but it doesn't work well in relationships. Can you imagine in a marriage relationship? (laughs) I'm sorry, husbands, if you do this, you can repent to your wives later, okay? Can you imagine, like, CJ, Lisa, have you done the dishes? Yes, husband. Check. Lisa, have you fed the animals? Yes, husband. Check. Lisa, have you swept and cleaned the floors and dug under the fridge and thrown all the trash away and scrubbed the toilets and cleaned the clothes? And have you done blah, 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 like, yes, husband. How much of a relationship would you have with your husband? But yet that's what we think that God's saying to us. When he's saying, come and know me, come and know my heart, come and spend time with me. And we say, but look all the good things I'm doing, Jesus. And we haven't spent time with him. We haven't let our hearts connect with his. I was thinking about children last night, like raising children and, and you ever seen Seen kids that were so beautiful and honoring and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and oh, I'm just so obedient, and I'm just going to do, you know, like these really, I don't, I don't mean sick, but like these kids that you just go, oh, my goodness, and they're just so honoring, and, you know, an adult comes, and they, oh, you can take my seat, and, you know, you have these kids that come into church, oh, i got to take my hat off because I'm showing honor, and... You know, they go around, oh, I must open the door for the adult or the child. Come in. I'm honoring. And then they get away from their parents and their tears. You know what I'm talking about? Well, you're so good with, when you're with your parents. What happened? Because so many times we teach about the law and that relationship. See, we honor out of a place of love and relationship. Because you do those things doesn't mean you know God. We look at the scripture. In John 14. Okay, we'll read this a couple places. And this is really popular because this used to be my mantra. Mantra. Yeah. 
It says, Jesus is saying, those who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we'll go make our home with them. A person who doesn't love me doesn't do what I say. And he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And we think, see, if you're not obeying God, you don't know him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's backtrack. No, he's saying it comes from a heart of love. (laughs) If I love my husband, I don't want to do anything that's going to be a detriment to our relationship. I honor and respect my husband, not because I have to, but because I want him. I want to know him. Obedience is a relationship issue. That's why in order for us to have this, to take risks and to do things we've never done, we've got to know him. And we can't know him. We can't love him unless we know him. And we're never going to follow or give our heart to someone who we don't love and we don't trust. It's never going to happen. We can hear people say, oh, take risks. Go pray for someone today. And people are like, I don't think so. That's not me. That's not my personality is what we say. This is where I'm comfortable. And I'm not going to go from there. When it's about relationship, it's a lack of relationship. Because when we love someone, we'll do whatever it takes and move mountains for them. We'll go through whatever we need to do to know him. Sometimes we think experience is the voice of God. Like experience equals relationship. And it's not. Because I've experienced this, because I've walked with God X amount of years, I have a relationship with him. And I just want to say no. CJ and I have been married 26 years, going on 27. Can you imagine after that time of us getting to know each other and loving each other? If I treated him the same way today as I did when we first got married, you'd probably say, boy, you guys haven't grown much, have you? If I only knew the same things about him at the time that I do now, we really wouldn't be in relationship. Matthew 4, 4, it says, Jesus is saying, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word is every rhema word. It's everything today. What he's giving you today. Next verse, Matthew 6, 11, in the, um, the prayer, the, Jesus has the, what's it called? The prayer, the, the Lord's prayer. Thank you. And it is give us this day our daily bread. Sometimes it's so easy to eat bread that we had 10 years ago. Not physically. Like if you, if I were to give you a piece of bread from 10 years ago, you'd be like, 
You're crazy. The mold, Lisa, that has no nutritional value. I might actually throw up just by smelling it. But yet we take that bread from yesterday and we're trying to eat it today. Like this. I knew God really well 10 years ago and I'm trying to live off that today. It's not going to work. You know, the, the awesome thing, there's, as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, of when Jesus comes back, there's more and more truth and revelation that's being poured out. He's not speaking to the church today what he spoke to the church 20 years ago. That's old bread. But yet we want to live there. If we were to treat this generation that we're in today like we did the generation 25 years ago, we're going to kill our generation. After CJ and I said, I do, if that was the only time I had relationship with him or Gnosko, I would say, yep, I'm good. Would he feel the same way? And I'm not trying to be indecent, but since it's in the Bible, I feel like I can bring it to y'all because it's truth. Seriously. It's a lesson for us. If he said, you know, Lisa, last month we had a really intimate time and we really got to talk and you really shared your heart with me. Thank you. And I don't want to do that again for another year. Like, well, have fun living by yourself. (laughs) It wouldn't work. He's calling us to know him deeper, brothers and sisters. He's calling us to know him more. Right where you're at. And if you've been living a relationship in your marriage, as some of the ways I've explained, get help. Love and respect. Love and respect's a great tool. It really is. But only you can choose. To give your heart. Nobody can make you. Make the decision for you. It's your choice. So I want to take us to a place now. And ask the the team to come up. My music team. They're not my music team. The worship team. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do it Lisa way. Which means. It's not going to be like every other Sunday. And if you're new here, good. Then you're like, you don't know what else to expect. So it's okay. But I want you to look around. There's like places in the back. There's places up here. CJ, can you move this over here for me? And I want you to have a time. We're going to do something, but I want you to have a time. We're going to have some music playing. And I want you to have some time where it's just you and the Lord. Because this might not happen when you get home. So I'm going to make a place for it right now. And I want you to invite the Lord in. You know, sometimes we have prayer ministry. Come pray for me and I'll pray, you know, I'll pray for you and put my hands and 
there's going to be this awesome thing and you're automatically going to love Jesus. No, this is between you and Jesus. Your cup needs to be filled. It needs to be lifted up. He's wanting to connect with you. Right now, he doesn't care about your spouse. He's not caring about your, your best friend. So what I want us to do is I want us to move. I want you to separate. And it's okay. If you have kids, you can have them huddled with you. That's fine. There's places up here. There's places back there. Move two or three sections of chairs away from your husband. Move to the, the thing behind him, the row. I want you to scatter. I want you to where you can be alone and you can be, okay, Lord, this is between you and me. And nobody's moving. Love you. (laughs) Feel free to be released. 